AM 1060 KDUS Tempe Phoenix and KSLX HD2 Scottsdale Phoenix. It's time to hit the field with Extra Point featuring Kayla Mortolaro and Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060. Tweet the show at KDUS AM 1060 or give us a call at 602-260-1060. The snap is back. The hold is down. You can't miss with this combination. And the extra point is good. Hour number two of Extra Point here on KDOS AM 1060, online at KDOS1060.com, and now with the new KDOS 1060 app. Download Apple and Android users and take advantage of the listener rewards available to you. It is Friday. It is February 24th. Bob Kemp, Kayla Mortolaro with you up until 1 o'clock as we typically do, Mondays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays. Let's reset the scene with today's poll questions that we'll answer around 12. 1230 today and we'll start with the kdos1060.com poll question has your interest in regular season nba games declined with the number of playing games missed this season by key players well steve ashburner who joined us in the previous segment uh he did nothing to sway any votes because we are still out in front yes with a hundred percent of the vote yeah, and like I mentioned, I mean, you can cite examples every day and just happen to be, you know, we came up with this poll question during uh, after yesterday's show, and between then and the time that they actually played some games last night, you know, Portland played a game with four of their starters not playing, and one of those guys was legitimately hurt, and the other three, uh, there was some load management involved. They just got off the all-star break, and they're doing the load management thing. That's what I was just going to say. So were they busy doing other activities during the all-star break and therefore needed load management to like the old phrase, I need a vacation from my vacation. I'm not sure. I haven't looked at their schedule. I don't know if they play like, you know, three games in four days, which they try to avoid. And you would think they'd be able to avoid that coming out of the break. But then again, there are a handful of teams that played last night that are playing tonight out of the break, including Oklahoma City here against the Suns. Absolutely. Uh, flipping this on over to Twitter at KDUS AM 1060, Bob caught up with J.P. Hornstra of the Southern California News Group podcast over at KDUS 1060.com for that interview. The 2023 Dodgers win-loss total, we have some movement, and we're now in a 50-50 split between over-under 96.5 wins. Yeah, 96 and a half. I mean, they won 111 last year, and obviously the playoffs didn't go well for them. Uh, yeah, after the first round bye, they got eliminated in four games. You know, the best of five is the division series. They got eliminated in four by the, the, the hated and dreaded Padres. Uh, and uh, the Padres have certainly you know, spent even more money this offseason and you know, got Xander Bogarts and they extended Hugh Darvish's contract until the end of time and you know, they went out and got Michael Waka, kind of the last free agent pitcher that was available. So I think part of the uh, thinking is that some people are now p- picking the Padres to win the division. And I think a lot of it has to do with what the Padres have done. And the Dodgers had a relatively quiet offseason with some anticipating that uh, one of the reasons they did that, maybe the biggest reason they did that is they're going to make a run at Otani next winter. Well, it's Friday. It's February 24th. Von Hansen's Meats and Spirits Friday. It's actually a fish weekend for them over at Von Hansen's Meats and Spirits. Here are the weekend specials. Fresh 
Farmed, raised Atlantic salmon, $14.99 a pound. Fresh wild ahi tuna, $24.99 a pound. Fresh wild halibut fillets at $24.99 a pound. Fresh farm tilapia fillets at $6.99 a pound. Frozen four-ounce IQF cod fillets at $9.99 a pound. Over at Von Hansen's Meats and Spirits, pair it up with some delicious wine. They have it. Craft beer and amazing treats for your four-legged friends. Visit them, 2390 North Alma School in Chandler, or check them out online at vonhansensmeats.net. There's a $100 gift certificate in it for you, and something tells me that's coming up here shortly. But let's take a trip back to last night. Time time out for a second. My dad would have loved this fish thing. Oh, (laughs) which one would he have been all on on board for? Any fish. Okay. He was, uh, yeah, he loved that, and uh, he might be, he even had some wine with the fish. So, uh, yeah, so he would have been, uh, you know, I'm okay with fish. The salmon thing, I can, you know, kind of acquired a taste for that, but, uh, I didn't quite jump onto the fish thing, but my dad, would. this would have been a big time for him. Yeah, being up in uh, Idaho, there was uh, plenty of fish opportunities, and our, our coach used to cook us some salmon and some halibut often uh, when other people that she knew would go and actually fish and have it as fresh as, <laughs> as, fresh as it could be. So Ooh, I'm glad I wasn't good. part of that process uh but we'll take a we'll take a trip back to last night for the ucla bruins taking on the utah utes and they came out with a victory uh maybe closer than expected 78 to 71 yeah the score sounds close i don't think there were ever uh, there's never really a point in this game i thought they were going to lose you know Hami Hawkes had 17 of his 23 in the second half and I don't think there's any doubt now that this uh, Pac-12 Player of the Year thing, which seemed to be a lock for, uh, you know, for Tubelis, uh, you know, two, three weeks ago, or you know, really kind of three games ago, uh, I think this is completely up for grabs now. And actually, if I had to vote right now, Hawkes would be my guy. Uh, UCLA once again. Remember, they had the two-game losing streak when they lost in Tucson, and they played at the uh, against USC at the Galen Center. But before that losing streak, they had won 14 in a row. They lost those two games, and now they've won seven straight since then. They also, you know, Utah got 71 last night. I'm sure Mick Cronin is blowing a gasket over this. Uh, UCLA's allowed only seven. They've allowed more than 70 points just four times this season. When it comes to what's coming up for the weekend slate of games, let's start here locally with ASU and U of A. It's a noon tip-off on CBS. Uh, can ASU actually hang in this game? I doubt it. Let me go back to last night. USC wins again, and I think it's mathematically possible and maybe even realistically possible that uh, there's going to be three teams in a in conference play, in the con- in the in just the conference play, that only three teams are going to have a winning record. And remember, the top four teams actually get a first-round bye in the Pac-12 tournament, so that's a big deal. USC is healthy now. You know, they were missing Josh Morgan, who leads the league in shot and block shots, and a couple other guys. Uh, but right now, they're healthy, and I think you can make a case that they're the second-best team in the Pac-12, and they do play at home. Uh, next weekend, next Thursday night against the U of A, and the U of A has had a, you know, they've had some bad experiences playing at USC in the past, but right now, I think that UCLA is actually playing better than anybody in the conference, and I think you make a pretty healthy case that USC, because they're healthy now, is playing the second best level, uh, at least the second highest level of play in the conference at the moment. 
Uh, as I mentioned, these conference standings are a little, uh, a little strange. Uh, ASU's got to be happy about that result last night with Utah losing another game. So at least right now, uh, ASU is, uh, you know, really they're two games ahead of Utah because they only played once this season, and the ASU won that game, so they win the tiebreaker. I'm sure the U of A not happy at that result because they're two games behind UCLA. And they, uh, when they play UCLA in the final regular season game in uh, Los Angeles, that game could really mean nothing as far as the conference standings go because UCLA may have clinched it by then. However... Uh, certainly, I think both those teams are up for number one seed at this point, depending on what happens around the country and whoever wins out between those two. I think that they, if either of those teams get a number one seed, I think they're going to have to win out the regular season and win the conference tournament. Uh, so for the U of A, if uh, you know there's only three games left in the regular season, would you be giving Tabellis the player of the year award in the conference? I would not uh, right now. I think that he's been surpassed by Jaquez, uh, who has had a tremendous run here. And, you know, if UCLA wins the conference, and right now they have a two-game lead in the conference, uh, it's pretty difficult for me, uh, for somebody who I've always kind of thought that, you know, somebody that wins a, a conference player of the year or, you know, an MVP, I think the team's, you know, the team's record and uh, where they finish, uh, and you know, I think that should make a difference. Sometimes it doesn't, especially in baseball. doesn't seem to matter at all what you do as far as the regular season goes as a team. Uh, if you have a regular season that is uh, you know, statistically piled up with wonderful numbers, that's more important. Uh, to me, that shouldn't be, and it definitely shouldn't be in this case. And I think certainly in the last half of the uh, conference season, roughly the last half, you know, Hawkins has been the better player. Fast forward to Saturday, number 18, UConn is at St. John's. Uh, St. John's is just 7-11 and 11 in conference play this season. What has been more surprising, St. John's or UConn? Uh, I don't think any – I never really thought St. John's was going to be any good. So I think the, basically in December it was, is Rick Pitino going to leave Ione and become the St. John's coach? Because it was pretty apparent pretty early in the year – that uh, Mike Anderson isn't going to survive this season. In fact, right now there seems to be a hot debate of whether Rick Pitino is going to be the next uh, St. John's coach, which was actually makes some sense. You know, he was obviously had some success uh, in New York uh, with the Knicks there for a little while, and uh, I think a lot of people kind of uh, put him in. Uh, you know, he had Providence success in the Big East way back in the in, you know, way back in the day in the late '80s, which led to his Kentucky. Uh, job and so forth, but uh, you know, it, it's is Patino going to be the next uh, St. John's coach or the next Georgetown coach? Because there seems to be zero chance that Patrick Ewing is going to be back at Georgetown next year. Number nineteen, Creighton is at Villanova on uh, Saturday as well. A hey, oh, big game here for Creighton, or because kind of uh, everything has been wrapped up with Marquette, not much to to play for. Yeah, I don't think there's much. It's mathematically possible, but you know, Marquette would have to have a massive collapse against the you're basically the, the the dregs of the conference, uh, including DePaul and Georgetown, not to win the uh, at least the regular season in the conference. And uh, it's you know, basically you know, Creighton at this point is. I'm a little disappointed. They lost that game the other night to Marquette. Had they won that game, this at home, this game had a whole different meaning. But it, uh, they lost that game at 
Creighton, and uh, excuse me, they won that game at Creighton. Marquette did, and so they're they're in good shape, you know, mathematically at least, in the conference. So Connecticut, you know, they had that one stretch where they lost, you know, I believe, it was four out of five, and they had a you know, they basically played everybody that's good in the conference on the road during that stretch, as Danny Hurley has pointed out frequently, uh, and uh, he doesn't seem to be too concerned. And I. I I actually think that Connecticut has the best chance to make a, a run in the NCAA tournament of anybody in this conference. Number 24 TCU is at Texas Tech. So uh, maybe some disappointment with some people feeling that uh, TCU had a prime opportunity against Kansas, but they lost on Monday. Now you have that conversation of, well, Kansas is certainly starting to find their groove. Mike Miles, though, has returned for TCU. That's true. Uh, they were 1-4 without Miles. He was back for that game on Monday night. Didn't play great. They didn't play great. And actually, Kansas didn't play great in that game either. I was actually pretty disappointed by the level of play in that game uh, in uh, Fort Worth on Monday night. But uh, we'll see what happens here. Yeah, Texas Tech, is, uh, you know, they've come up with a couple of victories at home. Uh, they're much better at home as most college teams are much better at home on the road, but there's a drastic difference with Texas tech home. They have a chance on the road. They don't have much of a chance. It seems. Uh, then you have number eight, Texas at number nine, Baylor. Baylor is 13 and two in games at home and both teams are seven and three in their last 10 games. Baylor is just happy they're not playing in the state of Kansas. Uh, they were rolling until last Saturday. In fact, in the first half, they were rolling. They were up double digits at Kansas in Lawrence, and then they ended up losing the game by double digits. So you can imagine how the second half went. Uh, that was on last Saturday. Then on Monday or Tuesday, one of those two days, I get my I get all my Big 12 days mixed up. But the next game that Kansas that actually that. Uh, that uh, Baylor played was also in the state of Kansas, and they lost at Kansas State, uh, which had been kind of floundering around of late. Uh, so they, the Baylor's lost two in a row. They have tremendous guard play. They actually do not have a guy that can throw it into the post and get points, so they need the tremendous guard play, and that play was not as good as usual in the two games that they lost in the state of Kansas. Now, uh, Florida State is at number 13, Miami. Uh, there seems to be some interest in Miami suddenly. I like Miami. I mean, I've actually liked them all year long. You know, they went to the Elite Eight last year as a 10 seed, and uh, they can score. Uh, they can really score. They don't really seem to care if the other team scores because they're just going to, quote, outscore the other team. Uh, and that has worked out for them in a year where we have a lot of teams that are supposedly elite or top uh, t- top 10 or 15 teams that you wonder if they're ever going to put the ball in the basket. Uh, Miami's completely the opposite. I mean, they allowed, they allowed 80-some points to Louisville. That's hard to do. That doesn't say much for their defense. But they are really good on offense. They've got three NBA players uh, based on their offensive performance. They're going to be... Uh, a team that I'm going to be very interested in uh, seeing what their bracket is once we get to the uh, NCAA tournament. I'll be looking to play them in uh, likely more than one game, depending on hope, you know, hopefully they don't run into you know somebody that's like Kansas or UCLA, which I don't think is going to happen early in the tournament. Depends on uh, what Miami does in the ACC tournament. Uh, you know, the ACC so bad, it's kind of hard for me to actually try to project where these teams are going to be seated once we get to the NCAA tournament. Are there any other games for the weekend that have caught your attention? 
Well, to be honest with you, I really haven't looked ahead to the weekend too much. Uh, I know that Indiana and Purdue play this weekend, and uh, we'll see what happens with that. But uh, you know, other than uh, you know, basically the Pac-12 games, uh, USC and Utah uh, on Saturday night uh, is a game that uh, you know when I just mentioned USC, I think it's pretty good. Uh, so we'll see what happens with that. And uh, UCLA plays over the weekend against uh, against Colorado. So uh, you know. Going to, going to Boulder sometime a problem and sometimes an issue, but USC certainly didn't have any problems playing there last night, and uh, they scored at will and beat Colorado. Well, here we go with conflicting reports. So as we were talking about to conclude hour one, Brett McMurphy was saying that Apple still has not made formal offers to the Pac-12 for the media rights, but Ion Television has emerged as a potential Pac-12 partner, sources telling the Action Network. Now you just have a few minutes ago, Stuart Mandel of The Athletic tweeting out that Ion Script Sports is not involved in the Pac-12's TV negotiations, a source with direct knowledge of the situation telling the athletics so clearly uh we're entering into the conflicting reports standpoint and we're also maybe figuring out who's trying to play which side yeah when i hear conflicting reports no matter what it is uh in the first thing i think of especially in this case is uh somebody's you know leaking you know a story or what they want to the story that they want to be leaked whether it be conferences or networks or whatever to drum up more business to get a better deal with wherever they land yeah so here's what i do know though right now it's caller number three 602-260-1060. 602-260-1060. Von Hansen's Meats and Spirits $100 gift certificate is yours. Caller number three, 602-260-1060. Visit Von Hansen's Meats and Spirits over at 2390 North Alma School in, in Chandler. In addition to that, check them out online at vonhansensmeats.net. The weekend specials, Fish Weekend. Fresh farmed raised Atlantic salmon, $14.99 a pound. Fresh wild ahi tuna at $24.99 a pound. Fresh wild halibut fillets at $24.99 a pound. Fresh farm tilapia fillets at $6.99 a pound. Frozen four ounce IQF cod fillets at $9.99 a pound. It's caller three, 602 260 1060 for the $100 gift certificate to Von Hansen's Meats and Spirits. More extra point featuring Bob Kemp, Kayla Mortolaro, right here on KDUS AM 1060 on this Friday, February 24th. I'll turn those picks into gold. Wall-to-wall NFL coverage and the biggest stories coming to you from 3 to 5 p.m. The Rich Eisen Show here on KDUS AM 1060 and KDUS1060.com. Twelve twenty-five here on KDOS AM 1060 in the Extra Point. Bob Camp, Kayla Mortolaro with you up until 1 o'clock today as we typically do Mondays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays. Congratulations to our winner of the Von Hansen's Meats and Spirits $100 gift certificate. Once again, the weekend specials. It's all fish-themed for Von Hansen's Meats and Spirits this weekend. Fresh farmed raised Atlantic salmon, $14.99 a pound. Fresh wild ahi tuna, $24.99 a pound. Fresh 
fresh wild halibut fillets at $24.99 a pound, fresh farm tilapia fillets at $6.99 a pound, frozen four ounce IQF cod fillets at $9.99 a pound. They're located 2390 North Alma School in Chandler, and they'd love to see you. As we take a look at the Honda Classic here, Justin Suh. He's out in front. He's at 10 under par. Chris Kirk shot 62 today to vault up the leaderboard. He moved up 25 positions from yesterday. He's sitting at 9 under par in second place. Our man Ben Taylor, who got off to a hot start yesterday, we have him in the top 20 finishing positions. He's 4 under through 10, hanging tough in a tie for fourth right now. When it comes to those odds-on favorites, Sunjay M, he shot one over today. That's not good. The direction of the scoring for the morning wave has been really good, really under par. Calm wins today. Uh, so one over par. He's two under for the tournament, sitting in a tie for 28th. And the second odds-on uh, favorite to win this golf tournament was Shane Lowry. He's just getting his second round underway. He's even through six, remains at two under par in a tie for 28th. So that's the Honda Classic over on the PGA Tour. This morning... The Athletics' Kalen Kaler, Jason Jenks, and Mike Sando had a report, and that's certainly, I'm sure, something that you've heard about at this point, talking to 15 players, coaches, and staffers for their story. Before Russell Wilson was traded away from the Seattle Seahawks, Wilson asked the Seahawks' ownership to fire Pete Carroll and general manager John Snyder. He was convinced that they were hamstringing his success and he had a preferred coach in mind. Are you ready for his preferred coach, Bob? Mm, Go ahead. One Sean Payton. Yeah, well, that makes sense, I guess. Now he has no excuse now because he's not going to ask for Sean Payton to be (laughs) fired, I assume. Uh, So, uh, and the Seahawks are kind of laughing their way to the playoffs at that point uh, from last year, right? Because Snyder had one of the best drafts in recent memory or maybe all time, uh, you know, at least short term. You know, they had an incredible draft with four of the five first, uh, for, four of the first five picks, you know, all starting. Now, part of that was out of necessity, but part of those, those guys were good. They made massive contributions. Absolutely. Uh, you got two corners and uh, your two starting tackles. Now, once again, I mean, you have voids there. That's probably not a good thing, but they were able to find guys that are you know, not going to be under long-term contract for a long time, too. And then, of course, uh, you know, the Geno Smith revival uh, worked out rather well for the Seahawks. So days later after this supposed request, he was traded to Denver. And then the story goes on to say that at Denver, Wilson installed his own support staff alongside Broncos personnel. He had his own office as well, and he brought his own quarterback coach with him, Jake Heaps. Wilson asked offensive players to come to the facility on Tuesdays for a, quote, State of the Union meeting run by him and Heaps. Now, I'm curious to know how these State of the Union meetings went. Were offensive (laughs) players giddy about coming in on an off day, or were they feeling, uh, you know, like, hey, Russell, we're wide open, hit us uh, with with the football? Like, how was the admonishing going in this State of the Union? I'm curious about that. I think we can kind of lead, go to our own conclusions there. I'm guessing that wasn't a big hit. Uh, and plus, when guys were open, speaking of getting hit, he didn't hit them very often. Uh, you know, there were 
you know, numerous games this year where Wilson had open receivers. And it wasn't all Nathaniel Hackett thing. I mean, certainly he took the fall and got fired during the regular season. And they did get better offensively in the last couple of games after Hackett was let go. But uh, there were plenty of plays that Russell Wilson missed big, big time, you know, big time receivers to uh, for yards and you know, they you know, you should have been big plays, quite frankly. And uh, it's not like he had the worst group of receivers of all time on that team either. And he did certainly didn't have Lockett and and Metcalf. But it wasn't you know, the, the Broncos receivers were not amongst the least considered to be amongst the worst in the league. I think that they were amongst the worst in the league because there was no connection between receiver and quarterback. I mean, Cortland Sutton's pretty good. Uh, Jerry Judy, yeah. you could have a conversation about route running, whatever. But uh, he certainly has playmaking ability. Yeah, he's got to catch the ball. I think actually route running is probably his strength, but catching the ball has been a, a major issue with him, and unfortunately he's been injured some too. But it's uh, it, it's uh, it, it was just a disaster from start to finish. And then one of the first things that Sean Payton was asked about during his press conference when he got the gig uh, was about, down, I'm paraphrasing, but yeah, whether Russ is going to have yeah team Russ around him, and uh, yeah Peyton pretty much ruled that out and completely from the start. I mean, he, that's not happening anymore. I come with stats though to back up kind of how 2022 went for Russell Wilson. Uh, it was the worst completion percentage of his career at 60.5 percent. He averaged the fewest yards at 7.3 yards per attempt. He only threw 16 touchdowns, which was the worst of his career. He did have 11 interceptions, which wasn't the most, but it was like tied for second. Uh, he was also sacked. 55 times, which was the most of his career, which is I thought was interesting because we always talk about, oh, Russ doesn't have a good offensive line in Seattle. If they could just fix the offensive line, things would be a lot better. Well, 55 sacks ended up coming with the Denver Broncos. Yeah, this is one area I kind of back up Russ a little bit and at the same time criticize Russ some. Yeah, I even mentioned his last couple years in Seattle that his mobility wasn't what it was before. And he had a whole bunch of plays uh, that were made, big plays in his Seattle days that were ad-lib, so to speak, uh, where his legs really helped him tremendously. Uh, not just, you know, he obviously ran for some first downs and so forth, but, you know, he bought time in the pocket and he had receivers that you know, kind of understood how to get open, especially Lockett. Uh, and that happened there. Now, he, he had offensive line issues this past year with a lot of injuries. And I also think uh, on the Russ side, uh, to support Russ, you know, you know, Williams, their best running back, who you know, a lot of people were thinking very highly of it after Williams' rookie season, heading into the last year, he got injured maybe the first game of the season, but it was really early in the season, and didn't play anymore after that. Uh, he did not come back. Uh, because of the injury, so they weren't at full strength. Russell didn't help himself, uh, as I mentioned. He missed a lot of open receivers, but yeah, it wasn't all a Russ issue. It wasn't all a Hackett issue. It was just kind of a complete disaster issue. Uh, Russell Wilson tweeted out this morning, quote, I love Pete, and he was a father figure to me, and John believed in me and drafted yeah. me as well. I never wanted them fired. All of us wanted... Uh, to find ways to win. I'll always have respect for them and love for Seattle. In a second tweet shortly after that, 
quote, focused on moving forward. Vest is ahead. So no go Hawks at the end of it or anything like that. <laughs> no, no go Hawks. No, let's ride. I, I'm disappointed okay. for sure. Oh, darn. I know. Isn't that such a bummer? <laughs> Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. All right. So coming up this afternoon uh, over on KAZG 1440, it is ASU baseball. They are currently undefeated on the season here so far. They're looking to carry that over into their action against Mississippi State. Pre-game is 2.45 p.m. First pitch is at 3 o'clock. KAZG 1440 a.m. and KDOS1060.com slash Sun Devils. And I want to make sure that uh, you're aware of what's going on with Porta Subs. They, of course, slicing up quality you crave with your favorite sliced fresh premium meats and cheeses on signature fresh baked bread loaded with fresh veggies and savory sauces. And right now, lunch for two, Porta Subs for a year, 2023 spring training tickets for March 24th, two tickets and a parking pass could be yours. Download the KDOS 1060 app. Apple and Android users are eligible. Listen every day for your chance to get one entry per day into the grand prize drawing. It's lunch for two to Porta Subs for a year. 2023 spring training tickets to the March 24th game. It's all happening on the KDOS 1060 app. Poll questions next. Bringing you the latest sports topics weekly right here on KDUS. AM 1060 with me, the Doug Gottlieb Show, 1 to 3 p.m. Poll question time here on KDOS AM 1060 in the Extra Point. Bob Kemp, Kayla Mortolaro with you on this Friday, February 24th. We're here with you up until 1 o'clock today, as we typically do Mondays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays. Let's get into the poll questions, and we'll start with the KDOS1060.com poll question. And uh, this topic, among others, Steve Ashburner of NBA.com joined us. And if you missed that conversation, podcast over at KDOS1060.com. But has your interest in regular season NBA games declined with the number of playing games missed this season by key players? Yes or no? And Steve actually got into this before I had a chance to ask him about it. So, you know, it's certainly on his mind. It's something he's thought about. It definitely, for me, it has really made, made a big difference. I mean, I've never been, uh, maybe I shouldn't say, Never again. I keep saying I got to you know, strike that from my you know, personal record. I got to quit saying this, but uh, it's been a long time since I've you know, taken the regular season of the NBA terribly seriously. But it's reached an all-time low in the last you know, few months. Here, I didn't make one single solitary bet for a season win total in the NBA this season. Partly because I really didn't make that many in recent years, but you know the you know person I took advice from for that he completely is out on that now, and he he's betting he's bet season win totals for 20 years in the NBA. He didn't bet any this year. I just didn't know what direction to go in. I did look at a couple of teams here and there, but I just uh, was unsure who you know load management and what's going on. I think that that's become a nightly problem, including last night. If you were involved in the Portland game, it probably drove you crazy. Uh, who's uh, not playing? And you know, then they end up, uh, you know, a couple guys that weren't supposed to play. One guy actually did play. Uh, so we don't even know until the official official inactives who's actually playing in an NBA game from night to night. And 
throw it together. And uh, you know, my interest in the NBA regular season, which has not been very high for a long time, is uh, certainly I don't know if it's at an all-time low, but it's got to be pretty close to an all-time low. I think the product is at a very interesting crossroads because it's been determined by teams, players, trainers that back-to-backs are bad, all 82 games are bad, regardless of injury status. So what is best for the player is now no longer what's best for the fan and the consumer. So it automatically is devaluing the regular season when you're cherry picking when you're going to send your star lineups out on the court. You yourself as a franchise are devaluing the regular season. I also think here as well, and we saw it right here in Phoenix, the trade deadline and how teams can just kind of reshape your entire roster, ship off core pieces, get a whole new core and count on the new core to come in and win Maybe that also makes the previous games played with the previous contributors feel odd and maybe just like a placeholder. Uh, So that's now on the front offices. And if that's how they view it, then why should the fans have a different opinion of that? Um, In addition to that, I do think it's bad. The explosive nature that these games are now starting to reach in terms of point totals uh, that we know we want offense, but there has to be some sort of struggle on the defensive side of the ball to make it uh, a bit of a challenge for these teams to score points. And and I do think that Steve brought up a, a really fantastic point just about how, you know, you either are basically uh, shooting some dunks and layups or the game has really gotten into the long ball. And he called it, I liked, I liked the phrase, the moat that has been built uh, between those two types of, of shot selections. So I think when you kind of take an aerial view of how and what is best to try to win a championship, it doesn't really favor the fan to get super invested in December, uh, super invested in October. So it's kind of at a very interesting crossroads. And I think that's also reflected as well in the viewership numbers. I think it's reflected as well in the all-time low interest in the All-Star game, reflected in the interest of what Adam Silver trying to do to try and try to drum up more interest in the game with this in-season tournament uh so i i think the nba itself from an executive level is also a bit concerned because they're actively trying to have discussions and, and throw things out there to see what the public kind of gravitates toward i'll just add another couple quick things to that i'll disagree with anything you said there uh is the fact that uh you know the trade deadline as you mentioned that was a couple weeks ago Roughly, there's like 20, 25 games remaining in the season for the rest of the trade deadline. It's kind of like hockey. Uh, you know, the trade deadline's much deeper into the season uh, than it has been in the past that I can recall. And the other thing, uh, you know, going back to what Steve mentioned, uh, it drives me crazy whether it's college games or NBA games, and it's happening too often in college games too. You got a team that has like a three-on-two fast break, and they end up you know, taking a three because they want to take a three. Uh, you know, I grew up in an era where, you know, three-on-two fast breaks, you took it to the rim and you know either tore the rim down or got a layup, and uh, that seems to be like the last thing you want to do now. Yeah, that is very interesting, and uh, I, I think, I mean, I remember it kind of really becoming. 
popular for Steph Curry to be on a fast break, just pull up, shoot a three. And now it's evolved to your and Steve's point that it's a three on two. They kind of drive and kick out to the three on a fast break instead of just taking it, taking it right at the defender. And as you say, tear down the rim or in my case, having to just lay it in. <laughs> yeah, I'm o- I'm okay if it's Steph Curry taking those shots, but yeah, most of the time it's not Steph Curry taking those shots. The masses, though, have been unwavering all show long. Uh, yes, out in front at 100% of the vote. Once again, the question, has your interest in regular season NBA games declined with the number of playing games missed this season by key players? KDOS1060.com. Now let's toss this on over to Twitter at KDOSAM1060 to cast your vote. JP Hornstra of the Southern California News Group joined Bob in the Sports Zone. So if you missed that, podcast over at kdos 1060 60.com. The 2023 Dodgers win-loss total over under 96 and a half wins. Well, there's no Cody Bellinger. We know the offensive struggles that we've had, he's had over the last couple of years, but certainly how uh, highlight reel catches he has in the outfield. There's no Justin Turner. You could make the argument that maybe he was aging a little bit, some injuries popping up, but still he was such a staple of that Diamondbacks third baseline. Uh, no Trey Turner. Now you have to kind of wait and see what's going on with Walker Bueller's Tommy John surgery. You have Blake Trinan's shoulder issue. So some of those bullpen now questions start to pop up. Uh, I always ask this question, will Clayton Kershaw stay healthy? I think you always have to account for at least a few games missed per season due to health reasons. I just think that there's kind of some unknowns now about how they're going to have to count on some players that haven't had that major league experience or haven't had uh, the, the I guess, the pressure of being an L.A. Dodger and, and this is what it means to to be here, win the NL West, and and try to make a playoff push. So I would lean in the direction of the under. I'm not at all saying that they're going to be a bad baseball club. I'm just saying that I don't think they're going to cruise to an NL West victory. Yeah, I think 111 wins last year. Uh, they've lost a lot of players. You mentioned a lot of those moves. And uh, really concerned about a couple of things. One, I'm concerned about the starting pitching. You know, Bueller has already uh, been placed on the 60-day injured list, and they're not expecting him to pitch before the All-Star break. Uh, and I'm not positive he's going to even pitch at that point. Uh, so we'll throw that in there. But you know, they seem to have five guys. You know, Kershaw, Urias, who's really good. Uh, Syndergaard, who... I don't think is that good anymore. Uh, Dustin May and Gonsolin are coming off of injuries from last couple of years, and they're you know, considered to be in the rotation. So I've got questions there. I also have real questions about their up-the-middle defense. Yeah, Turner, I think, was overrated, quite frankly, as a defensive shortstop, but I'm not really sure what they're going to do with that area. I don't think Gavin Lux can play shortstop. Uh, that seems to be the number one option at this point. I don't think that Gavin Lux is a very good second baseman, let alone a shortstop. And I don't think he can play left field either. They've tried all that. Uh, but uh, Lux is going to get the first opportunity at shortstop. I wouldn't be surprised if Miguel Rojas, who they acquired in the offseason from Florida uh, or Miami, I forget who they – what are we supposed to call Miami? The Marlins now. Well, the Marlins, I should just say the Marlins. Uh, he's definitely a def- he's a tremendous defensive player, but I have no idea how their up the middle infield defense is going to be, which has been a, at worst uh, it's been good, but I don't know if it's been great. But you know, so I'm not sure where that stands. 
And uh, the J.D. Martinez as the uh, D.H., he obviously had some uh, not-so-great years. The last, really last year and a half he was in uh, in Boston. Uh, his production, especially his pop and his home run production, fell off. So we'll see how that goes. So i got lots of questions, and there's a chance. I haven't done it yet. I'm gonna, I want to see what happens if some of these questions, roster questions uh, during spring training uh, and I don't really care about batting averages and those things. I just want to see how things are coming together or if they're coming together. There, There's definitely a chance I'm going to bet under 96 and a half uh, for the Dodgers this upcoming season. Well, the masses, they are in a uh, split between 50-50 over 96 and a half wins or under 96 and a half wins. This is, of course, on Twitter at KDUS AM 1060. Um, so that's where you can always cast your vote in these poll questions over on the website, kdos1060.com. We wrap up this extra point on this Friday, February 24th, right here on KDOS AM 1060 and kdos1060.com. And as a reminder for you, ASU baseball is taking on Mississippi State. 2.45 p.m. pregame First pitch at 3 o'clock over on KAZG 1440 and KDOS1060.com slash Sun Devils. Carrying all three games, so uh, head on over to KDOS1060.com. Click on the Live Sports tab to find out what we have coming up for you between ASU Baseball, ASU Women's Basketball, and NAU Men's Basketball here on KDOS AM 1060. Last segment to go on the other side of the break. KDUS AM 1060 is the home to the Dan Patrick Show, the Doug Gottlieb Show, and Sports Map Radio. Catch all the sports content here on AM 1060. of this Friday, February 24th edition of Extra Point right here on KDOS AM 1060 online at KDOS1060.com and with the new KDOS 1060 app, Apple and Android users download today and take advantage of the listener rewards on the app for you. But it's that time once again. It is. Thank you, Time Bob. As always, we thank you for listening. Special thanks to the callers, emailers, tweeters, texters, whomever and whatever else. Super the cracks. Also our guest today, J.P. Hornstra, our uh, discussion of the Dodgers heading into uh, you know, Cactus League games. And uh, J.P. from the Southern California News Group. Also, we went around the NBA, covered a lot of topics with Steve Ashburner from NBA.com. Sound of the day courtesy of TNT. Uh, L.A. Dodgers 570. L.A.D. 570 to be uh, technically correct as far as the Dodgers uh, sound there. Uh, Valley Sports Arizona, Fox, and also Big Ten Network. Special thanks, as always, to Kayla, Corey, and Aaron. And before I ask Kayla what's coming up next, you asked me about college basketball earlier this uh, hour. Uh, St. Mary's and Gonzaga, I forgot, play tomorrow night. And uh, that's the rematch in uh, Spokane. And you know, St. Mary's won the earlier game. They do not have a uh, you know, two-game lead, as most people anticipated, because St. Mary's lost a game since then. Uh, so that'll be a game I'm paying attention to tomorrow night for sure. 
Up next on KDUS AM 1060 from 1 to 3 p.m., it is the Doug Gottlieb Show, followed by the Rich Eisen Show from 3 to 5. The Sports Zoo with Dave Bierstr- Dave Brewster Bierstein, tongue-tied there, uh, from 5 to 6 p.m. In addition to that, ASU Baseball at Mississippi State, pregame 2.45 p.m., first pitch at 3 over on KAZG 1440 and KDUS1060.com slash Sundevils. Tons of things happening here play-by-play wise nau men's basketball at northern colorado tomorrow pregame 12 30 tip at 1 kazg 14 40 a.m asu women's basketball at oregon pregame 12 30 first tip at 1 p.m kdos am 1060 and kdos1060.com asu baseball at mississippi state pregame 3 45 p.m first pitch at four or join in progress after the basketball game wraps up that's kdos am 1060 and KDUS1060.com. And then on Sunday, it is ASU Baseball at Mississippi State. Pre-game 11.45 a.m. First pitch at noon. KDUS AM 1060 and KDUS1060.com. Uh, so, Bob, are you going to be uh, staying up late tonight to watch the Suns hosting the Thunder? Yeah, I guess. Uh, at least for a while. Uh, and there's no Blue Bloods original. Actually, they're running these Fire Country or whatever it is. They're like on for three hours tonight at CBS. So uh, we'll we'll see how long I last. But uh, interesting to see if Campaign plays. I'm not sure if there's been any word about him today. Uh, in fact, I don't even think the Suns were going to have a shoot around today because they went for such a long time in practice yesterday. Uh, I did get this tweet yesterday, and I didn't get to it in time. Have you? Are you all caught up on Chicago PD? I am. Well, actually, I'm not because I did, from, I was caught up until Wednesday night. So I'm going to deal with that sometime this afternoon. Okay. <laughs> well, then we'll circle the back to that because I guess the question pertained to Wednesday night's episode. Oh no! They kill somebody. I don't know. <laughs> okay. That's the one bad thing about this show. They kill off characters. A lot. <laughs> so we'll see. Okay, now I'm kind of, you know, I don't know what to think. <laughs> Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Over at the Honda Classic, Justin. Might increase my urgency here to watch this. <laughs> Justin's, uh, he's out in front, 10 under par. Chris Kirk sitting at 9 under par. Your odds-on favorites, uh, Shane Lowry, he's now 1 under par. Uh, on the day, through 9 holes, 3 under par in a tie for 20th. Sung J.M., he's done for the day, 1 over par, 2 under for the tournament in a tie for 28th. That's the Honda Classic on the PGA Tour. Everyone have yourselves a fantastic weekend. The sports Zone with Bob Camp gets things started for us Monday morning at 10 a.m. right here on KDUS AM 1060. Talk to you then.